There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Three podcasts, what? three weeks. I'm a, I'm a friggin', I'm a jack of all trades. You, you know really that? are. It's, uh, it's pretty breathtaking to watch. You're an art dealer. Yeah. You're For those coach. of you that don't know, I sold a piece of art last week to a certain human being that will remain nameless, just because I value my clients, Caitlin. <laughs> um, but I did, did uh, facilitate a bit of an art deal last week. Are you? Uh, at all able to disclose the artist? Uh, yes, it's uh, actually one of uh, Racket Magazine's um, cover girls. Let's call her that. Cover artist. Well, I like to call her cover girl because she's amazing. So I just wanted to up her status there. Okay. But she is definitely one of the cover artists um, for Racket Magazine. And, of course, it is the one and only wonderful Deborah Roberts. Deborah Roberts, issue number 10. I got this. The piece of art that we commissioned from her was uh, in homage to Venus Williams. She is a collage artist. She's great. And she has gotten very popular. She's actually um, name-checked in a Weekend New York Times article about how um, athletes are becoming art collectors. Yes. And Deborah Roberts is one of the artists they collect yeah thanks maybe to you no definitely I would I had nothing to do with that uh in the New York Times I certainly had nothing to do with her collaboration with the NBA um but yes uh jack of all trades uh art dealer now uh consultant I I I consider myself that and you sold a piece of art on behalf of Deborah Roberts to a tennis player uh to an athlete to okay we're just gonna say an athlete yes um anyway uh so that was uh kind of fun to be a part of because I friggin' love Deborah Roberts's art so much and quite frankly if I had the money I would definitely be buying one of her pieces and putting it on my wall. So if you have the money, do yourself a favor, go and buy one of, go and buy one of Deborah Roberts's pieces because you will not regret it. Um, what else? Speaking of art, um, we had a piece up last week uh, featuring the new work that Honor Titus, another yes. cover artist of Racket, I think it was issue fifteen. Um, he just joined the Gagosian Gallery. Yes. He is now a Gagosian artist, which is huge. Had his first show, I believe it sold out with Gagosian um, this fall. And the ATP commissioned him along with a very cool art collective um, that my friend Dan and Christina run called Art Child to do a sort of customizable ATP finals poster 
Yeah, it was cool. Really cool. You could do your own online. There were a couple of different versions. And we posted an interview that Honor did with John McEnroe, who's obviously a very famous art collector, yes. art aficionado. John McEnroe has quite the art collection. He's got a Basquiat or several. Oh, he he's has got some Warhols. Serious art collection. Yeah, he knows what he's doing when it comes yes. to art, is my understanding. Yes, yes. Well, he had a bit of an. I think he had an art gallery there for a second as well. I think he did too. Yeah. Um, right on Green Street, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So he's. Uh, he, he and I often um, sort of go back and forth on some art. I don't have his collection, let's put it that way. I actually have a beautiful Dennis Ozen day piece on my wall that's right um, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis number issue number 18 yeah look at you just pulling out the, the issue Osaka. left and right, right like you know like um know. yeah I've had one of Dennis's pieces which I absolutely love and he's incredible so yeah we you know obviously Racket Magazine's done a really great job with um getting some amazing artists that are now doing really well by the way yeah um and so who um, will be next who will we anoint i don't know yeah but the interview is up now with john and honor who could not be a nicer guy they sent him to the finals and he and the athletes were commissioning like original works together printing them on an ipad it's cool um together which was really fun the video is fun and the interview is really interesting and good so i was happy to post it up on i have given honor a uh, serving lesson and uh, so that's where my other you know, jack of all trade things comes in. Coach, art, consultant now, TV personality. A what can I say? Excellent barista. You've made me a very delicious cup of I'm coffee in the o- past. I'm okay barista, but uh, certainly um, there are others that are much better than I am, including my girlfriend. Yeah, Eden is an actual barista. Yeah, who's she's a master a, barista, a, a master yep. training. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good week. Let's get into some tennis. I have to say before we get started, actually, mm. um, I also appeared on a podcast uh, for those of you that love podcasts. And I always get asked, what's a good podcast? And have you listened to it yet? But you probably haven't listened to it because you've been quite busy lately. But um, my favorite podcast is called, outside of ours, of course, of course. is the uh, podcast called I've Had It. I've Had It. And it's, I've Had It. And it's two um, very liberal moms from Oklahoma City and for that in and of itself is quite remarkable that two liberal people come from Oklahoma City um Jennifer and Angie or as she's commonly known as Pumps Pumps. so uh I was on the episode last Thursday I think it was so take a listen to that it's quite fun but it's a great podcast um so when you get when you get done with ours I did listen to it a little bit you spent some time little known fact about you jack of all trades you spent some time in Oklahoma City so you are an actual midwesterner there for a minute both between Chicago where you lived before New York but also Oklahoma City yeah which not too many Australians in Oklahoma City I reckon no but I will say this I did um I do enjoy the the uh the people of the Midwest they're very they make me feel a little bit like Australia. They're very f- warm and friendly in the Midwest. You think Australians are also warm and friendly? Yes, we are very warm and friendly. Okay. That's the first thing people say when they go. To people say everyone's so nice in Australia. I said, "Yeah, well, you know, we've got universal healthcare. We give a shit about each other. We've got good weather." Sure. I mean, even in COVID, we were having a good time. <laughs> I mean, we had to spend two weeks in quarantine in a hotel, but once we got out, we were having a good old I mean, time. Maybe that's why. Except when the people of um, the quarantine hotel in Melbourne decided to, s- the uh, security guys decided to sleep with the uh, quarantined, quote unquote, people in the hotel rooms. Oh, that seems and like then sort of counter to the purpose of quarantine, no? It's uh, big time, yeah. considering the security were going home at night. To their homes in Victoria. Perfect. And taking COVID and spreading it all around Victoria, which is why Victoria had literally one of the hardest outside of China, biggest um, 
uh, hardest lockdowns in the world. I mean, listen, <laughs> because there's going to be You couldn't travel there. from Victoria to New South Wales, which is like basically you couldn't travel from New York to Pennsylvania. Yeah, because uh, during COVID in Australia because we were having lockdown centrals. But if you were in the other states, you were having a fucking great time and everyone in victoria hated everyone else in the country well good job hotel guys i suppose good job security that's when it went to the army after that <laughs> so hard pass yeah anyway hard pass all right let's get to the great story of this week which is of course the just finished atp finals what a great tournament it was success and as predicted by me on my tv show when you asked who would win i said novak and I said Sinner was going to have a great week. And I was correct on both fronts. You were. And I'm not trying to, like, make myself out to be an expert or awesome. I mean, you are an expert, though. I feel like that's not – that's if anything, you're more of an expert at tennis than most people are experts at anything. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter or X or whatever the F you want to call this stupid platform now, um, a lot of people like to – Fight with me over my comments. Let's let's, um, let's take a beat and talk about Twitter just for a second, which okay. I won't call it the new thing. I'm going to call it Twitter only. It's done. It's cooked. I think it's, it's pretty cooked too. It's awful. I joined in the late 2000s as a journalist at Time Magazine, where everyone who was a journalist got scoops, story ideas, shared articles. It was great. It was really a media resource. That's mm. what Twitter was initially, um, I think, intended to be. And it's a great resource. For it was news. a great resource. You could source people's thoughts. You could get a barometer of live events happening in real time, reactions to them. I remember using it when I was covering politics at Time Magazine, and we were doing a lot of debate coverage. So you got a sense of how the debate performances during the 2008 election, 2012 election were. No, were it was like out. the place you went to for news. Totally. I mean, literally, you didn't turn on the TV. You were like, quick, just type in the word whatever. And all the smartest in people in. The media universe and some other personalities were talking about germane issues in a largely intelligent way. And through the years, then it became more for jokes. Twitter really lost its intellectual, I think. I mean, I don't mind a joke here. No, me neither. I'm not complaining about the the transformation. I like the balance of joke and news. Yeah, joke and news was still palatable. It was still fun. You had a whole bunch of Twitter comedians who kind of came to perfect their voice on Twitter. The problem is became a joke. Twitter became a joke. Twitter became a joke, and that is where it remains, where it's just largely about neck beard. It's abusive now. Tech douches, and anybody talking about tennis on Twitter and trying to say something normal or interesting or considered is in the vast minority, and really all you have is people sort of taking shots or saying controversial stuff just to be controversial. It's just, it's completely useless in a way that is, you know, sort of sad for those of us who remember it as a resource, a way to share. Yeah information share articles read articles figure out what people were talking about um but i find myself never there and when i am there quickly sort of grossed out yeah i mean listen you know me i like a good fight on twitter sometimes you've gotten better about not fighting on twitter so i want to i've gotten much better i've gotten much better i wouldn't say i'm better I'm much better. Okay. Um, I do think before I push the send button. Oh. Sometimes I write it and then I delete it. Okay. Um, and I say to myself after I do that, well done, Renee. That's good. Well you done. Gotta, if you can't recognize your own successes. You I go, Stubbo, you've done well there. Just getting rid of that comment. <laughs> Nobody um, needed that. But there are times where I just have to lay it down sometimes because people write such crap to me yeah. sometimes. Uh, on my responses like 
I did put out a couple of weeks ago, and I know we're going down that rabbit hole, Caitlin. I'm gonna, but I'm I gonna, can't help you. I'm gonna monitor this very closely. Okay, that's fine. The second, you, you know, this you goes have track, the you have it. the rule of the edit. That's true. Okay, because you true. edit all of our pieces, uh, all of our uh, that's shows. Right. But um, you know, I'll write something positive about certain players, and they're they're you know haters or they're you know opposition yeah, they're detractors detractors or you know the people that love another player just absolutely rip me mm. and then i'll write something positive about that player and then the other group of players rip me and i, I wrote it on twitter and you know then you've got your people like well what do you expect and i'm like i don't expect anything all i expect is you have to understand you are seeing through things through rose-coloured glasses when your favourite player has maybe done something kind of shitty on the court, whether it be Medvedev losing his absolute, you know, mind on the court the other day um, or, you know, Novak, you know, egging the crowd on, like, like wanting the booze and you're just like, dude, like, what are you doing? Or whomever. I mean, w- the list is long. Yeah. Rublev, I could go at you know, who's just a maniac on the court sometimes, but I kind of like his maniac. You know, there are certain players I might say something and then all of a sudden it's like the entire fan base is just they're not like, oh, you know, okay, we can see it that time, uh, but we love him. And I'm like, hey, guess what? So do I. They can't see it. And so they can't see you are just saying something constructive considering it's kind of my job as a tennis commentator to make those observations. Right. And and so then when I say something positive about it, then they're like, you don't even mean it. You're just sucking up now. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, can you guys just be happy? No. And I'll tell you why. Because the old – I like your response. <laughs> they can't no. be happy. Because – Twitter used to be, as I said, a place for people with some modicum of information to share or some slight authority would be like, hey, this is a more casual way for me to share ideas. They go f- they go for the fight now. And it was and it's and in, in the absence of the sort of intelligent level of conversation, it's just literally blood sport. Mm. And it's really, I think. It's Hunger Games. It's Hunger Games. And I think what's interesting is um, like I inadvertently tweeted something maybe five six years ago when I first realized that it, the tide had turned and I was sort of making a commentary about Rolling Stone and how Rolling Stone after it had been acquired by Jay Penske this is like really inside media baseball but this is what Twitter used to be it used to be way more inside media baseball mm. because it was a lot of media people yep. and it was sort of like oh interesting Rolling Stone must have had um, pretty poor newsstand sales for the past couple of issues because now they've gone back to the well where they're they put a cover of Taylor Swift with Paul McCartney together and mm. you were like oh well now they're just going for two Who's of the, the biggest most selling people yeah and like they didn't make any sense together they didn't do a duet together mm-hmm. it was sort of like oh hey sorry we like experimented with some weird ice cream flavors here's like our chocolate and vanilla swirl you know yeah and the point was not to denigrate paul mccartney or taylor swift who i don't care about in either case but just to sort of say like oh this is an interesting they must not have had success which is your observation that you're putting as a media person who's been in magazines for the better part of my career oh interesting that they're going back to the well because now here's like oh here's like two tried and true cover stars very 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 deep wells that doesn't make any sense except we know it's going to sell the taylor swift hive oh my god that this was a critique of taylor (laughs) swift i don't have a single thing to say about taylor swift positive or negative i just oh you better be positive about t swift i have nothing to say about her i just truly she exists in a different it's like for people, for me, she's like um, 
people who are like Catholic. I'm like, I guess that's a thing, and people are really passionate oh, no. about now it. Now we're going to get the Catholics coming after us. Jesus, but yeah, literally, it's probably not the word to say on yeah. that response. But anyway, it's just it's it's a phenomenon that it exists outside of me in a way that I'm like, oh Listen, wow. Just so everyone knows, I was brought up Catholic. Okay, I just <laughs> kind of stopped, kind of stopped going to church a little bit. Um, uh, or a lot. This a is the first I'm hearing about. It. I because, thought you were going to say, "Listen, everyone, I'm a huge." You know, when I became fan. a lesbian, I didn't think it was probably the place that I necessarily was wanted. At. Well, but okay. I do. I digress because. Okay. Anyway, you know. so my point is, having that immediate insane backlash, where I was like, "Wait, I'm not even talking about your person. What? What? You guys are just looking for a fight. You guys think you're doing something? Yeah. Because you don't have enough of whatever's going on in your life that you get a ton of validation and excitement because you've gone into this online posse yeah where you can that's what it is swarm and sort of be like oh who yeah. are we gonna fight today about yeah, remember when you said something taylor little... swift and i was like oh my god i inadvertently caught astray from these these people and i what and i think that's all of twitter now it was it, yeah. before it was not just that but now it's all of twitter and i actually have to say i think it's for tennis twitter which is a bummer because tennis has so yeah. many fun interesting cool personalities it used to be filled with podcasters and you know, there's still some people saying interesting stuff, but for the most part, I think tennis Twitter is dead. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a rough, there's no it's, good faith, interesting exchange of ideas where you can be like, huh, I learned something or huh, that person has an interesting take on this. I wonder how that other person is going to react. It's just bad faith, pylon, gross. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, listen, I, I do go back sometimes um, when I feel like it. Sometimes I don't. I just ignore it. Like I said, I write a lot and then I delete them because I go, is this worth it to me? And that's from your that's advice gross, my of friend. saying, Renee, you're bigger than them. You're more important than them. So don't worry about it. Well, when you were saying it's your job to commentate and have ideas about tennis, yeah. it is. But your job is not on Twitter. Your job is yeah. to be bigger than Twitter. Yes. And you have been and you will continue to be. And that's what this podcast you, is. That's what your show is. That's what ESPN is. That's what all this stuff is. Whereas for the most part, this is all a lot of people on Twitter have. Yeah. And now they're the only ones left on it. Sometimes I'm like, why do you follow me? And then they're like, I don't know. I want to see what you're saying so I can like respond to it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, have fun with that. But you're getting blocked. Blocked. I've been blocking a lot lately. That's good. Yeah. I, I will say the, to the old sort of tennis journalists who I used to think were interesting on Twitter now only say sort of quippy things that I wish they would put in their reporting. Mm. Right? Yep. I wish I were reading far fewer tweets from tennis journalists yep. and far more material. Yep. And that is a rule I have also tried to abide by myself, which is talking about tennis on Twitter way less and just putting effort into podcast, newsletter, content, yep. etc. Yep. New ideas for new projects because it's not there's not a lot of return and you're not meeting many new open minds in that way that's yeah. just me there's some good ones out there there's some great uh, people doing some tiktok stuff and things like that so we want to just shout out to all the people that do do really positive good stuff out there that put out great information on twitter and you know um instagram and on uh you know the tiktok the old ticky tocky that we appreciate you guys um because there are some really great ones out there um, for sure so, yeah, I've okay, had a couple on my show. So, anyway, let's get back to the ATP finals. There were, it was just a great week. I mean, I want to do – I do want to shout out, I guess, the player of the week that didn't end up picking up the trophy was, um, in a lot of ways, was Yannick Sinner. Um, and speaking of tennis Twitter, he got a lot of guff for not tanking. Can you yes. explain that and why that's a stupid take? Yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, it was something that I did go after on Twitter. Um, I put out a couple of different respective uh, tweets on... You know, the people that are suggesting that he should have tanked his match to Holger Runa to be able to put Runa through to the semifinal and not have Novak go through the semifinal just really bothered me a lot because I'm like, first of all, he'd never beaten Holger Runa in his career. He was 0-2. I know you're like, oh, it was two losses. That's big. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about the next gen of great players, those two are in that category of the two players, once Novak is gone... Um, and Nadal is gone next year. It's like those two will be competing without question for Grand Slams. For sure. So why would you tank a match to a guy that you've never beaten when you're playing arguably your best tennis? Yeah, right. You're playing at home. Right. And it's really important for you to get a win over this guy emotionally. And so and, – and just for confidence-wise going into the next match. What right. if they played in the quarters of semifinals of the Australian Open? Yeah, he's going to Do you think he wants to have... go into that match going, oh, fuck, I haven't beaten this guy. Oh, but I tanked the last time. Right. Holger Runa is not going to know that. He's going to think that you tried. He doesn't know if you necessarily hit that forehand wide on break point, you know. So Holger Runa is going to go into that next match going, I'm 3-0. and I know I can beat you. Um, and that's very, very possible that he could have had that person. But now – he goes into the next match knowing, shit, the last time I played him, he beat me. And that is a big deal for and someone like Yannick Sinner. Very, that was a very big third set, tough, really pushing each other match. And also, like, I... It's at home, too. You think the guy's right. going to tank a match in Italy? Also, like, how does one... I, I realize that there's cheating in tennis. I realize that people throw matches for gambling purposes. I realize that, you know, there's a CD underbelly. But... Uh, Almost anybody that I think I've ever watched, the idea that they are losing on purpose, especially at a tournament where they've had to bust their ass to get there. If you're in the first round of the French and you're a little injured and you're like, eh, who cares? I'm so far away from home. I haven't been home in a long time. I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah. I get why maybe you're not giving your best effort. Yeah. But in the semi of a... Well, at that point, it was the round robin. Sorry, in the round robin Runa. of a top eight player competition, you're going to just phone You're just it gonna in. lay an egg no yeah. it's not gonna happen he's playing at home he wants to beat a guy he's never beaten he wants to go into the semi-finals there was no guarantees that he was what if he loses and plays Alcaraz and loses in the semis right. there's no guarantees clearly we know those two go at it every time they play but also go into the semi-finals with tons of confidence knowing you hadn't lost you there's no guarantees that Novak was going to beat Alcaraz right. um and so uh, so I think he went into it with the right attitude which is I want to win every match 
Also, he would have won twice as much money if he'd won the tournament. Everyone's like, well, he lost in the final now, so he didn't win that money. It's like, that's not the point. To be a champion, you have to beat the best. And if you have to beat him twice in one week, you have to beat him twice in one week. Although, let's be honest, even Sinner having executed that incredible match against Novak, you got to know when you go up against Novak twice in the same week, it's going to take the match of a lifetime to beat him once. It's the same thing with what happened with Halep. And, you know, it's funny because I... I'm, I'm trying to think if Darren was coaching Halep at the same time because Halep beat Serena That's right. in the in the round robin at the WTA finals. I can't remember where it was. Was that Singapore? Maybe in Istanbul? No. Maybe, I, I can't remember. But, um, and then had to play Doha, her once again. I don't know. And then she had to play her again. I think it might have been in Istanbul. And then yeah. she had to play her again and lost, of course. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, you shouldn't have. Because I think she may have had a similar situation where she could have lost a match and prevented Serena getting in. Um, but I'm like, first of all, a champion's attitude is now you have the respect of every single top player knowing that you wouldn't do something like that, mm-hmm. that your integrity is there, it's in check, you, you, you busted your ass, you played a great semifinal then when you played Medvedev, now you've got a couple of winning matches against Medvedev who you didn't have a winning record right. against before. So now ne- every time he goes to play Medvedev, he feels really good about himself. Next time he plays Holger Rune, feels really good about himself. Right. When he goes to play Novak next time, he's going to learn a lot from that final. And I have to think that he was probably no offense but fucking exhausted sure. by the time he got oh, to that final as well so and Novak is so used to yeah finishing tournaments yeah you know and if he had tanked to, to Rune everyone would have said oh if he won the tournament well it's because he tanked against Rune so you know what the guy couldn't win either way I'm proud of him for busting his ass and trying as hard as he could and Novak was just too good I mean Novak taking out Alcaraz and Sinner back to back in straight sets yeah I mean, come on. Didn't look like he was sweating too hard. I mean, Oof. let's, so, so I want to give major props to, you know, Yannick Sinner and his entire team. What a great week. What a great couple of months, like winning a bunch of tournaments, winning another ATP 1000, going into the ATP finals as one of the favorites and really showing unbelievable form. And let me tell you something, he's going to be really hard to beat in Australian, at the Australian Open. And I think this week, even though he lost in the final, will give him so much confidence going into the next um, Grand Slam. He's going to have a great support in Australia, you know, with his collaboration, obviously, with Darren Cahill, just like Halep did. So I'm looking forward to his future. I, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be number one in the world in the next couple of years. He will absolutely win a Grand Slam, and I think he can win one next year. So props to Sinner. Yeah. Great guy. And he's I mean, we going have to improve to, so much. We have to say, though, I mean, Novak. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Seal the deal. Just greatest player of all time. What, eighth year finishing number one in the world. It's crazy. It's just absolutely bonkers. Seventh win at the ATP finals, which is arguably the toughest tournament to win, beating everybody that you have to that's top eight in the world. Three Grand Slam championships, this major titles this year, yeah. loses uh, just a heartbreaker. Maybe if he makes that, what's it, swinging volley yep. uh, in the tiebreaker mm-hmm. of Wimbledon, maybe he wins all four yeah. again in a year. He's just the greatest player. His consistency at Grand Slam level, his number one ranking his ability to finish tournaments it's unbelievable yeah it's unbelievable he gets better the and he gets better like honestly he gets yeah. better at the net he's gotten better at the net over the last few years i mean he's serving and volleying he's coming in he made some unbelievable volleys on big points this week um his speed around the court is still second to arguably no one yeah it's crazy um i mean he's probably on par with alcaraz and i think cinemus as well as anybody has at his height but there is just no weakness in his game. None. Yeah. Mentally, he's stronger than everybody. Physically, he's arguably as 
good as anyone, if not better than half of these guys. Um, it's just unreal how much better he gets. I, I think he can do this for another two years. Seems like it. I mean, the other thing that sort of strikes me watching Novak is just um, the unbelievable mental and sort of vision Mm. rare air that you have to live in where you're only just pushing yourself now because you've seen him in every context be compared to everybody else in the field obviously the other two he came up against obviously all the young guns and everybody's trying to make an interesting storyline out of this and the truth is when he's at the height of his powers barring doesn't miss he doesn't miss and so there is such an interesting mental strength in the self-motivation it takes to be consistently the best, even when you're not getting pushed. Which is not to say people didn't push him. Obviously, he lost a match at this tournament. Obviously, he lost a match in one of the finals of the Grand Slams this year. But I just, there's something like sort of Jordan-esque about kind of making your own records mm. and holding oh, yourself yeah. against that's, your oh, he's own doing that now. performance. I mean, he's, he's, and I think that's what's, that's the context you have to view Novak in at least at the end of this season watching him win three out of four tournaments where he's just kind of he's comparing himself to himself only oh well yeah I mean now now he's breaking only his His, own records that's kind of Um, what I mean I would say that um, arguably these guys are pushing him I think the Runas the Sinners and clearly the Alcarazes at Grand Slam level are absolutely pushing him yeah um to be better and I think that's actually making him better yeah because now he knows okay they're they're they they hit the ball as well as I do. Um, they move as well as I do. Some of them serve as well as I do. Some of them move forward as well as I do. All of those things. So they're all trying to sort of emulate him in being as solid as he is in every aspect of the game. Right. But I think just the difference maker is the fact that – sorry, I was like, what is going on in my apartment? Um I think the difference maker with him is the mentality. Now he knows that he can win. He doesn't doubt himself at any time in a match, mm-hmm. whereas these guys are still learning to not doubt themselves in these moments. Sure. And faith so that's faith the is one of the, you know, the most important tools we can possibly have. Whether yeah, we're Faith in ourselves. Faith in ourselves, yeah. yeah. And I think you just, you know, you see how powerful it is not only for your own motivation, but it's a such, it's such a demotivator for everybody else and you and you know as a great player and i can't even minutely put myself into novak novak's brain or how good he is but just like even in the small little time that you know for example lisa raymond and i we were going through a period there we we won a lot of tournaments in Mm -hmm. a row we won 17 tournaments in like two years that's crazy and i remember lisa and i saying to each other when it got down to like four all or five four in the third you know it was close there was one moment where we actually said to each other look we know that they feel like they've got to play extra special to beat us at yeah. this point point." and they did and I remember I think she said it to me and I remember thinking yeah you're right and that's the difference when you're sort of zoning I mean he's been zoning for almost 20 years now um, but when you get into that rarefied air of not losing a lot you start to know that people think they've got to play actually better than they do and you know if you play at your 95 percent which is what Novak does all the time it's like they feel like they've got to play 110 percent yeah I mean you can't do that that's not possible so when you learn and I think that's what maybe Alcaraz learned when he played him at Wimbledon he's like look if I play my my best tennis I have a chance and so rather than try and play out of his skin he kind of was comfortable playing his best tennis and he was actually playing really well 
Um, but that's such a rare thing to be able to do in five, best of five sets. That's why these guys can beat him in two sets, you know, two out of three sets. But when it comes to five sets, God, thinking that you have to do that for three sets and play perfect tennis is really mentally hard, which is why it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it is very similar to watching women walk out on the court already defeated playing Serena Williams, yeah. knowing Same. she's got to have a bad day and I've got to have maybe a perfect day. Yeah. And that's so much pressure to yep. do anything. Yep. I mean, think about going into like cooking dinner and thinking, I have to do this perfectly. I don't yep. know that I could do, you know, like that's yep. just the weight of that Whereas feeling. Whereas, you know, a great chef is like, just goes into the kitchen, doesn't think twice about it. Right. She, they just know. She's just like, I oh, know I'm going to make the best pasta here. Exactly. You know? And I think. Missy Robbins is walking into, into a restaurant, into a kitchen into with Lilia. you going, Caitlin. I got this. I know you can make some good pasta. Yeah. But I got you. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I, I'm going to beat you, for yes. sure. And she will be right. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, props, to, Novak, to, props just, to Novak. Now, out. what's amazing, what's amazing, truly, is that it is nearly Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for tennis. I'm thankful Thank for Missy Robbins' pasta. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I need any more tennis, but I'm going to get it. And oh, so is Novak Djokovic, because he's playing and Davis Yannick Cup. Sinner. And Yannick Sinner and several others, our guy Andy Murray. Sadly, no Dan Evans. Sadly, no Dano. Poor Dan, who I was know. the MVP of the of the uh, team GB. Um, Him and his low socks. Tore his Achilles. Maybe that's why. Maybe or his calf muscle was it? His calf muscle. I think he needs more protection on his legs. Maybe he with has those long socks. Fabric. Maybe I'm going to suggest that to him. Okay. He won't find that funny because he's got good calves. Got a good tat on his calf, but I think it was his downfall. I short mean, socks. Listen, short socks. We're kidding, Dan. We love you. We're really, we're really sorry that you're not going to be there. But, but I'm sure he's going to be there just to watch because he probably wants to be. So Davis Cup starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, in Malaga St- starts tomorrow, and uh, we've got Canada versus Finland, the reigning champs, Canada, and Felix Auger Aliassime. We would not have thought Finland would have been a, cu- a country that would have been there, but uh, love it. Props to Finland uh, for being there. Of course, uh, made up of Emil. Rosavore, yeah, uh, our guy. He's had a great year, and Helivare. There's some uh, really good players from Finland, so good luck to them against the defending champs in Canada. Your Canadians, my Canadians. Oh, Canada. The uh, Czech Republic is taking uh, on Australia. We're going to win that. Feels likely. Yeah. Feels likely. Yeah. Jer- Jer- Alex Dimonor is a heck of a Davis Cup player. He is, and also they've got one of the best doubles players of all time in Matty Ebden. Uh, <laughs> Maddie Ebden. Can I just shout out one thing to Maddie Ebden? Oof, he missed a volley in the double semifinal to give them 5-3 break for his partner to serve for the first set. And it was the worst miss That's I've seen in a long time. That's how we're going to talk about Matt Ebden? We're I'm sorry. Maddie, you've got to make mess? that volley, mate. Um, but I'm sad. sure he'll know that. But, okay. uh, yeah, so – and then Italy, of course, Yannick Sinner going to play Davis Cup as well. Bloody hell, good effort. From him. They're playing from, the Netherlands. And they have a real shot, clearly. And hey, listen, we might have a we might have a rematch of Yannick playing against Novak again. That's insane to think before the end of the year they will have played three, three times, times in, in November. Two weeks. <laughs> what? Yeah, that doesn't make any two, sense. Two and a half weeks, three That's weeks. That's assuming Serbia gets through Great Britain and our guy Andy Murray. I have to f- say I feel like it's likely that Serbia will get through I'm Great Britain. I'm thinking that it's likely that Novak Djokovic is not gonna win uh, not gonna lose a match in singles or doubles. Um, what kind of shape is Andy Murray in right now? My understanding is not listen, great. The chances of Andy Murray beating Novak is zero um, percent. And there's been no, arguably, there's not been a better Davis Cup player than Andy Murray through the years. Yeah. But I think it's going to be pretty tough for him to beat, uh, 
I don't think he's even going to play. He's, he's actually not even named in the team, Caitlin. I'm looking at the Great Britain team. It's Cam Norrie, Jack Draper, Liam Brody, Neil Skupski, and Joe Salisbury. And no Andy Murray. Huh. So well, Andy uh, the... we don't even have to worry about that. Well, maybe he'll just be pulling uh, at the heartstrings from the bench. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, that That is news to me. So uh, anyway, so it's Great Britain versus Serbia and Italy versus the Netherlands, Australia versus the Czech Republic, and Canada versus Finland. And then for the love of God, can the season be over? Oh, my God. The men play so late. It's, it's too, ridiculous. It's too and then next month they're going to be having exos in the Middle East. I mean, literally at the in end of October, they'll be done – most players, just so people know, take most of the time a week off of playing tennis, sometimes two, a week off of working out, very rarely two, because that's very hard to get back into tip-top shape for the Australian Open, you know, and for the Australian summer taking two weeks off. That's a lot of time. Most players actually go on holiday and still work out every day just because they know, oh, my God, when I start working out again or playing tennis, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Um, so it is not a long break. So I don't know. Man, when you think about someone like Novak, this is a big ask for him to then roll up to the Australian Open. But chances are he probably won't play anything before the Australian Open like he usually doesn't. Yeah, um, I mean, he doesn't need to. Um, well, no, because he's playing this much tennis coming into it. But he's been very, very smart with his um, schedule. Look, he didn't play anything after the US Open until, you know, what, a week before yeah. Turin. So, uh you know, yeah. these guys know how to do it in the end. And that's what something like Carlos Alcaraz is going to have to start figuring out. Because the one thing that I worry about him is the body. It's just, yeah. it's breaking down too much, Caitlin. Agreed. It just is. Yeah. For and a 20-year-old. For the kind of physical tennis that he plays where it's very speed and sort of shot-making based, mm. I feel like, you know, he's he needs every bit of explosive. He needs to calm the farm a little bit, I think. Well, sure. But Between the points. being 20 years old. Yeah, he will. He will, I think. Yeah, when he starts getting older and going, I don't need to jump around like a jackrabbit all the time. <laughs> but that is that is a bit of an issue. I think I'd yeah. be like, listen, and you you know you can't tell him don't run for every ball. No, of course, that's, that's like actually what makes him so Yannick Sinner to to take a match. Like you just you know, yeah. champions are going to champion. That said, managing the body, managing the schedule, you know, being a little bit conservative maybe with when you put on the gas is yeah. is necessary. Yeah. So. We should wrap this up by saying this is not our last show of the year. We're going to do a very special. Tis not. Tis not. Last show of the year that I think we should probably not send people to Instagram to learn about or Twitter, certainly. No. I think they should subscribe to the newsletter. Okay. To get subscribe a very to the newsletter. special invitation. Also. To a live podcast. Await Renee's. I will post it as you well will. Okay. on in Instagram and on the all stories and all that sort of stuff. Stay tuned. If you're in New York in December, we might have a very special holiday treat for you. I did want to throw in a little fact that um, Med we, 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 we talked about Medvedev losing his mind a little bit already, mm. but also Zverev. Um, can we just give an update on that situation, sure. Caitlin? Yeah, I am. Um, because I haven't we haven't, you know, and a lot of people expect us to hold the ATP and certain, you know, journalists, um, you know, are sort of on the hook a little bit with this Verev situation. It gets swept under the carpet. And I know a lot of our lady listeners would like us to sort of say, hey, what's going on with that? Sure. But he was found liable for his ex-girlfriend, who is the mother of his child, um, for would you like to update everybody on what happened there and yeah. why the ATP hasn't done or said anything you, along these lines? Well, if I knew why the uh, ATP hasn't done or said anything along these lines, I would be probably running the ATP because I would be able to 
answer for the fact that, you know, in any other league, having even just an accusation of domestic violence, much less two, which he has now faced, much less also getting tossed for attacking an umpire at an event in Acapulco. Oh, that was so bad. Um, you know, would be enough to just be suspended from the tour. That's across all sports. Yeah. That's not just tennis. Yeah. Um, it should it should be in tennis. Um, now he's reportedly been fined $475,000 by a German court after being issued a penalty for an abuse claim made by his ex-girlfriend. This is a different ex-girlfriend than the one that was reported Yeah, this one's the mother of his child. And Slate. This is a second woman who has accused him of domestic violence and he has been issued a penalty for 450,000 euro and I understand he is appealing it he's rejected all the allegations um but at this point he's been found liable uh it would seem and again the fact that this has been now a month uh of fallout from after this and he's in the ATP promo day he's at the media circus he's smiling in all the photos it's sort of like hey do we take this seriously or do we not and you yeah, know it's pretty bad it's not great it's, um, it's, it's not it's a good terrible. look uh for tennis it's not a good look for sports it's not a good look for the atp and you no know, one's allowed to like talk to him about it it's like he you know gives these statements and it's like listen dude if you are now credibly i mean this is basically this he is, has been found liable. Yeah, he's been found liable. He can appeal it, um, you know, and I think it's maybe different of, than being found guilty in a criminal court, but f- being fined uh, nearly $500,000 is seems so like a pretty significant... much gave his prize money for the ATP finals to this. Seems like a significant judgment. Again, I just don't know why his sponsors are standing by him. I don't know why the ATP is standing by him. Um, I truly don't know why he's uh, such a big draw. And again, like... Usually when there's smoke, there's fire. I just... It's tough to sort of look askance and sort of be like, you yeah. know, how is it that we as a sport are okay with this? There are, are other men who have been admitted, you know, some guilt in this, uh, with regards to some domestic situations and it's just kind of like do we take this seriously as a sport or do we not and i think you know what i would like to sort of urge as is not a new idea from me but it's one we've talked about a lot you either have a leadership structure or you don't you either take the safety and security of your players but also their coteries and and the bodily safety of people involved in tennis safe seriously or you don't and i think you know the ATP well, there's is a deeply, lot of women that watch tennis. The so, ATP is deeply unserious. Yeah. Is what when it I comes to, to that, there's absolutely no doubt. And just put the statement out a little bit more too, you know, like say um, whatever you need to say, but I just feel like they sweep it under the carpet and hope it just goes away. And it's not going away because no. now he's appealing. Um, so it's going to be again in the spotlight again. So it's just like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel it's just gross. I can't imagine why we are still having to deal with this individual after this last more damning I mean, situation. Listen, when you have now, this is twice that this has happened to you. And, you know, you go ahead and you belt the living daylights out of an umpire's chair and virtually almost miss an umpire. You've got some some issues. Um, and so anyway, I just hope that they stop using him in posters. That's all I ask. Yeah, that seems like particularly egregious to have his face smiling in all these media days and then read articles about him in German publications and sort of be like, what? 
Yeah. So, you know, mm. let's, the, that, we'll end on that note. But we'll end on that note. it's going to be the last show of the year. Stay tuned. Subscribe to the newsletter. Perhaps those of you who will be getting gifties for your loved ones will have the opportunity to get them in real life. You can meet yeah. ah, the illustrious Renee Stubbs. There's a couple of things up our sleeve. So pay if attention. If you happen to be in the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, maybe, you know, want to take a bit of a train ride in the old manhattan area we might we uh, might be here we might be doing something a little live uh, it's not a Let's it's see. not 100% yet but uh, when it is we will let you know listeners thank you for listening hey listeners. guys listen have a great thanksgiving everybody um, i'm thankful for you renee i'm thankful for you caitlin thankful for and, this podcast uh, for I'm anyone out there that's not thankful for us we don't really care about we you. don't care <laughs> all right bye y'all have bye. a great thanksgiving are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 